The Commercial Real Estate Show is an informative radio program for thought-provoking enlightenment. The show, nor the station, host, or guest through this show audio are providing legal, accounting, or other fiduciary advice. For representation to suit your specific requirements, engage an experienced professional familiar with your company, property sector, and market area. For recommendations to professional providers to suit your endeavors, you're invited to contact the host at commercialrealestateshow.com. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and lab. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, I believe we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. We're coming to you from our brand new Studio One here in Atlanta. Remember, if you have any questions or comments about our topic today or about any real estate related endeavors, we do appreciate hearing from you. Give us a call. Our number is 888-612-SHOW. You're also invited to comment uh, with us and uh, connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. You can find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to explore the U.S. office market. You know, the office market has been slowly improving all across the country. The economy and job market has also been slowly proving as well, while new construction levels have been extremely low. Well, what does that mean for the office rental rates? Will they begin to increase faster than we all expect? Or will the efficient use of space by corporate users keep demand in check? Well, we'll look at the market today, what's shaping it, how users and investors can benefit, and what to expect moving forward. Please welcome my first guest. It's Walter Page, Director of Research with the CoStar Group. CoStar Group is the number one provider of commercial real estate research and information services. They do it for property investors and sales professionals in the United States and the United Kingdom. They cover more than 59 billion square feet of commercial property, including 7 billion square feet of space for lease. Walter Page, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Walter, let's start off with a, with a look at the U.S. office sector overall. How did the sector perform in the second quarter and year-to-date? Well, for the office market, the key thing is what's happening in the job market. And the job market's doing pretty good. Um, you know, office employment growth is growing right now at 3.2% annual pace in the first half of the year. Uh, that's well above the 1.8% uh, rate of uh, employment growth for the overall employment economy. So office jobs are, are really going pretty strong. That supported 25 million square feet of net absorption in the first half of 2013. That's up 5 million square feet, or 23% from the same period last year. So that's pretty good news. Uh, we're seeing pretty broad base of geographical, uh, you know, in terms of demand growth. Uh, we had over a million square feet of net absorption uh, year-to-date in eight metros, including Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, Denver, New York, Orange County, San Francisco, and San Jose. Uh, you know, one of the markets that's not listed in here um, that didn't do that well is actually Washington, D.C., pretty close to near zero net absorption in that marketplace. Um, the growth in de- demand combined with relatively modest 5 million square feet of net completions, which is, you know, a pretty low number, allowed vacancy rates to decline to 12.1 nationwide, down 30 basis points so far in 2013, down 130 basis points from the 2010 market peak. Now, the improving occupancy is beginning to generate increasing rents. 
specifically, gross asking rents are up 2% on a year-over-year basis, which is the highest uh, growth rate since the recession ended. In addition, face rent growth and the use of tenant concessions starting to uh, decline. Uh, for example, in Atlanta, where you're located, uh, free rent has generally climbed from five months to three months on a five-year lease. So th- what this means is a reduction in Atlanta's free rent plus a 1.3% increase in face rents translates into a significantly stronger real estate picture. Effective rent growth is now up more than 4% in Atlanta, which is good news for the market as a whole. Okay, so you're starting to see some rate growth, and I guess that's healthy uh, for the office sector. So what do you expect to see moving forward as we move through 2013, Walter? Well, for office, we'd like to say the recovery is only halfway done. Um, And office has more upside than any of the other property types in this cycle. Uh, Specifically, we expect to see about a 10 basis point reduction vacancy per quarter going forward. Uh, A slow increase in the net absorption rates um, because we have solid job growth. And we're frankly, we're whittling away at the shadow supply, which has been constraining uh, the demand for office space. Uh, eventually, we expect to see the supply pipeline start to heat up and expand beyond the markets. Right now, it's going in Washington, New York, Houston, Boston, San Jose. It's likely to expand to more markets. But before that construction pipeline can really get going, we, we need some rent growth. Uh, right now, we're about 2% annual rate of rent growth. We expect that number to expand to 3 to 4% um, by 2016. Okay. So job growth is helping. Uh, Construction is starting to heat up, is what you're saying there. So what are some of the other factors that will affect office market performance? Well, first, occupancy is number one driver of long-run investment insurance. So the extent that occupancy rates are improving or above average, we should expect favorable investment returns. Second, since occupancy is a function of supply and demand, new construction activity and office job growth are key factors. Third, this is a longer-term thing, but we're seeing a uh, shift in how people use space. Specifically, we've seen a 20% reduction in space usage by a typical tenant over the last 10 years. Um, We're expecting at least a 1% decline in the space usage per uh, employee type thing uh, going forward. So that is an issue. Um, And then finally, demographics. the working age population for the office, or working age population as a whole, is going to decline from 1.5 million people entering the workforce today to one-third that level just seven years from now uh, as the baby boomers retire. And that has a significant negative impact upon the demand for office space um, going forward. Well, that's interesting. So that's why my employees are calling me old man, right? <laughs> uh, here comes the old man. All right. Well, I'm, I'm talking with Walter Page, Director of Research with the CoStar Group. And, uh, Walter, what about investment sales? Uh, what do you see for cap rates right now? Uh, well, reflecting a strong flow of capital real estate, office sales volumes year-to-date are up 10% from last year's level. Sales are trending. Uh, growth, the sales are shifting towards secondary markets. Cap rates are near record lows, especially for top quality core properties and top tier locations. Okay, so do you expect to see cap rates compress further or stabilize? Uh, what would be your guess there? Well, we expect office cap rates. Uh, you know, when people look at cap rates, they look at they also look at the spreads relative to alternative investments like the ten-year treasury, mm-hmm. and 
uh, investors have basically anticipated to some extent that there would be a rise in interest rates. And actually, over the last quarter, we've seen a 50 to 75 basis point spike in the forward interest rate curve and the 10-year Treasury rate. But because investors anticipated that, our view is that uh, cap rates are basically going to be relatively stable uh, unless we get one or two more of those spikes in interest rates that weren't expected. Okay, well, that's interesting. And what do you see for performance variances between markets? Are there certain properties or, or classes of properties or areas that are uh, seeing more demand? Well, first thing, the recovery is becoming more and more broadly based. So most markets across the country are, are experiencing pretty good uh, office demand. But technology markets, energy markets, and housing recovery markets are doing well. So that means like San Jose, San Francisco, uh, Houston, and then housing recovery markets, we actually starting to see a significant uptick in markets like Phoenix. Uh, the other general trend that we see is the flight to quality continues. Class A properties are achieving double their fair share of net absorption. That means they're getting uh, upwards of 60% of net absorption, double their fair share, which is closer to 30% of the office stock. Okay, well, that's interesting, and and I guess expected with that flight to quality. And uh, are there any other trends in the office market numbers that that might surprise people, Walter? Uh, well, removals of office space are a significant factor. Uh, it's hard to believe this, but over half of the occupancy gains since the recession has ended has come from removals of office space. Uh, specifically, let's say over the last year, completions have totaled 31 million square feet, but we removed 21, 20 million square feet, which reduced the net completions to only 11 million square feet. So removals are a very big factor. And what we're seeing is a lot of these uh, removals of office space are conversions to apartments, conversions to hotels in some cases being torn down. In fact, we had a, a building in, uh, in New York which sold for over $1,200 a square foot. Uh, and the likely use will be into condominiums where they will sell for probably $2,000 a square feet. So we definitely are seeing some of this uh, activity happening. Well, that's a that's an amazing part of the story. Well, Walter Page, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. If you'd like more from Walter Page and CoStar, visit CoStarGroup.com. We'll stay tuned for more insight on the U.S. office market. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we recently interviewed the national presidents of some of the major real estate associations like BOMA, SIOR, and NAOP to help you pick which association might benefit your business the most. Last week, we looked at the hot student housing market. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. You can access them on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today, we're exploring the U.S. office market. 
Please welcome Sean O'Reilly, manager, Ernst & Young. Sean is a commercial real estate valuation specialist who holds the MAI appraisal designation. At Ernst & Young, he works on real estate valuation issues for real estate funds, REITs, and corporate users. Sean O'Reilly, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Morning, Michael. And please welcome David Tenery, Principal with the Office Properties and Development Group of Regent Partners. David has been involved in the development of more than 6 million square feet in the U.S. and Latin America. Since 1988, Regent has acquired and developed more than 10 million square feet, valued in excess of $2 billion. David, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. Always a lot of fun to be with you. And, and David, we've heard from uh, Walter Page with CoStar about the, the market overall, but as an industry participant, you know, what are you seeing on the ground there with your office properties? And uh, most of your properties are, are Class A assets, right? That's true. Most are Class A and most are, are relatively urban in nature and mm-hmm. are of a, a mixed-use nature led by office. And in that respect, I would say that our demand has been steady, really going back to probably the second quarter of 2011. And then if I look back at the previous two or three quarters, I'm happy to say that it has really been very steady to, to growth-oriented. Okay, so are you seeing more demand now as people are getting a little more confidence in 2013 about the economy? We are. We're seeing uh, an increasing demand. Uh, we're seeing increase in rate for the most part in most major markets. And it's, it's really pleasing to see that the demand we're seeing is broad sector. It's no longer just technology, no longer just professional services, but a very broad reach in terms of sector growth. Okay. And now there are certain size tenants that you're seeing that growth. And uh, have you seen what is the trend you're seeing there? Is there one? Great question. There really isn't one. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing deals come across the different uh, different markets and different projects that are, you know, 2,500 square foot tenants that are expanding by 10 to 15 percent, and and 50 to 75,000 square foot tenants that are expanding by 10 to 15 percent. So again, not just broad sector, but broad size. Okay. So are you seeing occupancy gains in your assets overall? Yes, very much so, uh, mm-hmm. particularly, again, over the last two or three quarters. When we listened to what Walter had to say about occupancies, uh, our portfolio is very consistent with what he's talking about on a national basis with respect to reduction in, in uh, occupancy and vacancy factors. Okay. And how is that affecting rate growth? Are you really seeing significant rate growth or a little? Or? Well, well it's, it, it depends by market, of right, course. But right. I would say that in all markets, we're seeing rate growth, some greater than others. And then, of course, when you look at an overall market, uh, just as we've seen a lot of in Dallas and Houston, and we're seeing this in Atlanta, I know this has been happening in Seattle for the last year plus, is that within the micro market, you've seen growth. But on a macro basis, there's been some pretty outstanding pockets as well in growth. Okay. And David, at Regent Partners, you guys, I know, have acquired some nice assets lately. You're gaining ground in your occupancy. What are you doing to attract tenants? And uh, are there any special things you're doing differently, or, or is it just doing what you do well? That's a great question. I think we have focused on our core behaviors and qualities of, of uh, tenant treatment, of customer service, of retention, uh, uh, modification behaviors that we've all had to learn to deal with in the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. I would say more than anything, Michael, we are really working hard to demonstrate the stability we have as a long-term firm, long-term player, a quality player, and one that takes good care of the assets. You know, tenants have been through an awful lot of turmoil in the last five to seven years even in many cases where he had large institutional partner type ownerships 
where things have just not worked out. And so the ability to demonstrate performance and a history performance, no legacy issues, and uh, prevailing confidence with a tenant that they're going to be in good hands for some period of time has been very helpful to us. Okay. And you're also tenant broker friendly, aren't you? I mean, tenant brokers can feel comfortable bringing a tenant to your buildings around the country and uh, they're going to be taken care of and, and treated right. That's exactly the case. And we, we, uh, we finished up a, a lease yesterday and are trying to finish one up this morning in, in the Atlanta markets, which are very sizable. And in both cases, both were brokered. Uh, our portfolio, I can tell you, after looking at an analysis in the fourth quarter last year, 93.7% brokered. And so brokers are a, a main line for us. Um, uh, and uh, we certainly take good care of the brokers, but more so, we want to make certain they understand when the tenant comes through the door that as they turn that tenant over on the day of occupancy, the tenant's smiling. The tenant's never looking at them and mad at them for where they put them. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and talking about tenants, you know, Walter mentioned the, the size that, of offices that, that tenants are using today. And, Sean, there, there's been a lot of talk about hoteling and, and shared spaces and, and corporate users using uh, less square footage per employee. Uh, what do you really see happening out there, Sean? Yeah, that's a real interesting question right now. Um, the the wave of rollovers we're seeing, tenants are using anywhere from 20 up even 50% less space. The traditional model of four per thousand, uh, one employee per 250 square feet, is pretty much going out the door, even in suburban markets. Um, the main limitation on how dense you can go with a building uh, comes down to a couple factors, but in a suburban setting, <clears throat> it's going to be your parking. You uh, you just can't get so many employees in a building and still provide parking for them. So in suburban settings, we're seeing tenants go from the one, one employee per 250 square feet down to about one per 200 square feet, so five employees per thousand square feet. But in urban settings where transportation Public transportation is an option. Uh, we're seeing much more dense users. Uh, typically, about one employee per 150 square feet is uh, more of the, the kind of norm in the higher-priced uh, urban markets, uh, and we've seen that go down to one employee per even 75 square feet or even 100 square feet. So uh, we're talking using roughly... Uh, half as much office space, which is just a major trend in the market. Um, the other thing we found is that this solution doesn't fit for all uh, industries. In the tech sector, where it's very collaborative, you can use these really dense setups where the team is all working on the same project, you need a lot of collaboration, but with other fields such as law, uh, more general business, um, you have to think about your, your setup a bit more. So it really requires a lot of thought. You just can't cut the space in half and have it work. Uh, it, that starts to be penny-wise, pound-foolish. So that's the real, uh, a real trend right now is how tenants are uh, decreasing their space yet using it uh, most optimally and having it work the best for their business. 
Yeah, that's a good point. We just expanded our corporate office uh, here in Atlanta, and we use some open space and use some pods for our our full-time staff employees, and and it's really open. It's nice. It's pretty. They seem to really like it, and uh, it's worked well, but but also uh, for our brokers who need a bit of privacy, we we provided uh, window private offices on glass, and they seem to still like that. All right, we're going to take a a short break. When we get back, uh, David, I want to get your insight on that. I mean, you're dealing with these tenants every day. You're sure. seeing the build-outs and uh, just want to get your insight. And we're also going to uh, look at the investment market. So we have a lot more in store for you. Stay with us. More on the office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you're a professional provider to the commercial real estate industry, check out the show website. We have a button there called Professional Directory, and it's absolutely free to put your information there. If you listen to the show, you're a smart person, right? <laughs> well, today we're exploring the U.S. office market. My guests are Sean O'Reilly with Ernst & Young and David Tenery with Regent Partners. And uh, David, before the break, we were talking about companies and their use of space and uh, like we like we said there's been a lot of talk of companies using a lot less space but uh, what are you seeing uh, on the ground there every day well I think uh, Sean makes some unfortunately rather good points mm-hmm. and, and as an owner operator we're feeling that we're realizing that and it puts mm-hmm. real pressure on the owner operator to provide the space for the tenant and at the same time meet needs infrastructurally within a project most projects have some age on them uh, particularly as you begin to talk about the urban context of where companies are moving and so parking uh, you've got a conflict where you need more parking for your tenants yet most municipalities uh, particularly in an urban context are reducing the amount of parking that you're allowed to provide so you've got stress there you also have stress on the MEP systems mechanical electrical air conditioning systems most systems are designed for 200 give or take square feet per person and when you start packing people in at 75, 100, 150 square feet per person, you've got issues you've got to address as well operationally. So a lot, a lot of uh, extenuating circumstances you can go through, but those are the immediate things being felt by many owner-operators today. And that's a big point in leases today, isn't it? If you're a tenant or a landlord, as far as the limit of the number of employees that can utilize that space, right? That's correct. That's correct. Most leases historically have had anywhere from 200 to 250 square feet per person. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, that's a hotly negotiated item now, and, and that's one of the things as we talk through leases that tenants really need to be focused on early on, if not addressed in the letter of intent, is understanding what kind of capacity the building can handle with respect to their use. Right. You don't want to try to go in a building that just can't handle the capacity of the of the people you want to put in the space space per square foot, right? That makes sense. Well, Sean, what are you seeing demand-wise in the office sector right now? Are there any certain types of businesses or size of businesses where, where you're seeing more demand? Yeah, uh, Michael, the recovery here, one of the, the main things we've noted is that the traditional CBD office users uh, in the financial sector and the, law, uh, the legal industry have generally been uh, declining Technology has been really ascendant. As David mentioned, it's it's becoming more of a broad-based recovery at this point. 
but uh, the legal industry is really uh, shrinking. The, the, the financial industry tends to be uh, hitting more of a mature curve in its business cycle. Um, so what, uh, one of the bigger trends we've seen are these alternative users coming into the CBD. So technology tenants who just run out of space in their desired kind of low-rise uh, creative space being pushed into the CBD spaces. Um, so the you know it's just kind of a larger uh, trend in where where the, the the demand is kind of reshuffling now. And David, well, and again back to that point, as Sean says, you've got this conversion of user type within an urban context in many respects. And so law firms, which have traditionally been, gosh, what Sean, two hundred and fifty to four hundred square feet per person type uh, users, exactly. are being replaced by users that are half, if not forty percent of that amount of space. And so again, infrastructurally, parking wise, a lot of things, a lot of things those owner operators are having to do to address that need and meet that demand. Okay. I guess another thing we tend to to think about in a recovery is that the smaller tenants start expanding and first, so you you might have some smaller leases coming up, and then maybe as we get further in the recovery, some of the bigger tenants start expanding again. And, and Sean, how is the economy affecting the office sector today? Well, as David mentioned, it really is uh, kind of city and even within the city area specific. the, obviously, the economy is, you know, is more jobs equals more demand for office space. It's a pretty simple equation. Um, what we're seeing is different areas are benefiting from different, uh, different parts of the economy. Obviously, Houston, energy is doing well. Technology has really had a strong run in 2011 and 2012. It's in a bit of a pause mode uh, in the last six months or so. But uh, everybody's looking at that to be a real strong driver. Um, so overall, the, uh, the economy uh, is, is a slow and steady recovery right now, and that's leading to this, this kind of steady increase in demand for office space. Okay, and, and David, in 30 seconds, what are the tenants telling you uh, about the economy and, and their growth? Well, they're talking to us through their growth plans, and, mm-hmm. and again, they are. We're, we're seeing a relatively broad-based growth, small tenants and large tenants alike. Now, when I say large tenants, I'm not talking about tenants doubling their space. I'm still mm-hmm. talking about a large tenant right-sizing. For example, we have a tenant in one of our projects that recently went from 40,000 square feet in one building to 52,000 square feet in our building, yet that's a consolidation of roughly 75,000 square feet on a regional basis coming into a central location. So still right-sizing, but certain markets are making uh, making it more sense. Yeah, well, it's great to see more confidence in the uh, with corporate users out there. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more intel on the office market. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some incredible shows coming up for you, including a show on lease versus purchase considerations at this point in the cycle, with prices in some cases still well below replacement costs, a good selection of properties in some markets, bargain interest rates, 
and in recovery part of the cycle, it's an interesting time to consider buying property for your business. Don't uh, don't miss a show of special interest for you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the U.S. office market with Sean O'Reilly with Ernst & Young and David Tenry with Regent Partners. And, and guys, I'd like to turn the discussions to investment par- market. And, and let's talk about distress to start off with. What do you see for distressed real estate opportunities right now? And what do you expect uh, moving forward, Sean? Michael, that's interesting. Uh, in the last couple years, the distress sector of the market has been a real price per pound play where there was such a gulf between viable investments and properties that had occupancy issues that needed money uh, put into the TIs and the capital improvements that the distress portion of the market was just so far away from being viable that not many people really wanted to touch them who didn't have a lot of appetite for risk. And what we're seeing with our clients now is the riskier parts of their portfolios are increasing in their occupancy. And so what I think is going to happen now is that there's that, that gulf is going to narrow and there's going to be more activity in these distressed assets as they increase their occupancy and can become a viable investment asset uh, in, in kind of more of the near term. What was happening before was that it was just so far away, nobody could see where the demand was coming from, that they weren't interested in throwing money at these problem assets. And with the recovering market, uh, more of these assets become viable, and I think you're going to see more activity in the distress. Sector. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And and David at Regent Partners, you guys have been actively buying, and I, I assume you're still actively buying. What do you see out there for distress and, and maybe value add opportunities? Well, you know the the point Sean makes regarding distress versus value add has mm-hmm. been, I would say, you know, it used to be a fine line. In the last three years, it's been a chasm, mm-hmm. and that chasm is closing. And I think uh, wisely, many of the banks, many of the servicers that took these assets back or helped nurse along a sponsorship, have done a tremendous job in most markets of really nursing it along, throwing a little bit of additional capex into TI, commissions, and other things required to get a building relatively stable, and now we'll take those buildings to the market. So my sense is the second half of 2013 will be more of a watch and see where some of those assets evolve to. And in 14, I would imagine we'll begin to see, again, some good opportunistic value-add buys. One thing I'll slice out is that interest rate hedge and that interest rate question. So hopefully Walter's correct in the first segment that we don't see any additional big pops in in the interest rate because the interest rate current standards are really allowing a lot of the owners that are marginally holding on to assets to hold on to those assets. When debt costs start going up, then again, that'll be where you find that fine line between distress and value add and the art of our buy in the coming year is going to be just that success, finding that fine line and then buying at the right time. That's interesting. So what are you seeing related to, to pricing and, and demand for investment properties and cap rates right now as you're out there in the marketplace? There is still, without question, we hear it anecdotally, but we see it for real. There is still, uh, I don't want to say an abundance, but certainly a healthy, healthy amount of capital available on the equity side and growing more so on the mez side now. So you're starting to see debt, equity, capital all coming together and again pairing to create uh, debt capital stacks that will allow for effective acquisition cost on value-add plays. But again, as we've all talked about this uh, today, it is very critical uh, that the asset be well-positioned, well-placed, 
and look for the future. If you don't have the right story for an asset, I don't care what it is price per pound, it's going to be difficult to get it financed. Okay. And Sean, what do you see for investor demand related to core value add, you know, CBD versus suburban? You know, where is the demand increasing? Well, the investors we talk to, uh, the story we repeatedly hear is that there is so much competition for core assets that it's hard to place money right now. Uh, obviously, in the last month with the interest rate ticking up, I think everybody took a, a little step back and see where that's going to settle out. But the, the theme over the last two years is that there is basically more capital than uh, core assets out there, and that's caused a lot of pricing pressure. Uh, so what uh, quite a few of our, our investors have been doing is going farther out on the risk spectrum. Uh, who are traditionally core investors are now going into more of the core plus. Uh, so we're seeing uh, secondary markets going for more of the class A assets and secondary markets or going for more of the secondary assets and primary markets. Okay. Uh, so that's the real in- institutional uh, core and core plus buyers. The value add buyers uh, are, as I said, hasn't been a real active market and is increasing now just with the overall recovery in the office market. Okay, and David, what are you guys looking to acquire right now? I think, again, on the office side, uh, we, we're looking at acquisition opportunities, typically of some scale, again, more of an urban or certainly close in suburban context. We do an awful lot of hotel development work, and so the opportunity right now for acquisition on the hotel sector, repositioning, uh, has been strong. And you know, we've, we've been um, knocking wood, as I say it, pretty successfully even through the downturn with our high-end um, mixed-use developments that have high-end condo features. And, and we're even seeing a strong enough recovery, particularly in the single-envelope mixed-use projects of scale that are probably topped by condos with the great views and great amenity package and all those things moving forward again. And so uh, development is still a bit off. We, we still have in every one of our markets, and I think most markets U.S.-wise, with very few exceptions, an awful lot of distance between rate, where rate has to get to justify new development and rate growth. And so, again, value-add investment, I think, is going to be a strong play in 2014. Well, I think interest rates are a key point to talk about in the office market, and we'll get to that after the break, so stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're talking about the U.S. office market with Sean O'Reilly and David Tenery. And, Sean, we talked about rising interest rates before the break. How do you think rising interest rates will affect the office market? Well, Michael, um, that's a big trend in the office market is just the overall drop in the yield curve over the last uh, 10, 15 years. Interest rates have been dropping. Yield uh, returns have been dropping. And it looks like we just bottomed out there, and uh, we just saw a little bit of a bounce up. And I think uh, back to uh, the, the previous point that we're probably in a stabilized period here. The, the risk is if interest rates go too high, it's going to snuff out the recovery. And nobody wants that. So we're probably in a fairly stable area right now. 
so what what happened is everybody just pulled back as interest rates were going up, and what investors are really looking for is a stable environment at this point, and hopefully we have that. Uh, but I think it's just good to see the forest for the trees is that the overall trend over the last 10 or 15 years has been a decrease in interest rates, a decrease in the yield curve, and we probably we're probably near the end of that trend, and we're in a stabilized period. And you're right, it may be going up, and that's uh, that's going to make the exit on uh, some investments a little more difficult. Yeah, that could be interesting. And David, another another factor that's affecting office performance and in the investment sales world as well is is the lack of new construction. What do you see there for new construction levels and how that might affect the uh, sector? Look, new construction is going to stay nominal. Mm-hmm. Again, what's interesting about this last recovery uh, that mm-hmm. we're in now mm-hmm. is that you didn't see the assets being dumped on the market through an RTC vehicle the way you did uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and so as a result, servicers, banks, institutions held on. They were smarter. The result has been that your well-positioned land for your next cycle of development just didn't drop in price. So that combined with the fact that construction industry thinned out so much and so your pricing is relatively high right now for construction means that in most markets you've got to have between five and seven dollars plus per square foot of rent growth before you can justify new development of speculation of any sort whatsoever. So to me that tells us from an investment perspective and an ownership perspective we are in during this recovery that Sean described some period uh, that we haven't experienced in a long time of sustained rate growth. Well, that's interesting. So with a lack of new construction, you're talking about maybe we will see that rate growth. And, and Sean, what tip would you leave our listeners with today if, uh, if they're an investor? Michael, uh, I'd say related to the interest rates, the, uh, just recognizing that there's more chance that rates are going to rise than they're going to drop again. Uh, the strategy that Ken Rosen uh, says that, that I agree with is to Fix your financing if possible, uh, rather than variable financing, fix it, and if possible, uh, make it assumable. That way you can hedge against uh, rising interest rates on the exit of your investment. Yeah, that's uh, a good... If you, can, if you can sell an asset with assumable financing that's below market at a future point, you're going to have a competitive advantage. Great tip. And uh, David, do you have a tip for uh, landlords, maybe? I do, landlords and owners. And I think that to follow up on what Sean just said... Uh, pay a fee if you can. If a, if a lender will let you take a fee, pay a fee, and most of them are happy to take your money at any given closing to try to fix that fee or make that loan assumable, then it's probably worthwhile given the likelihood of interest rate growth. That said, to landlord, landlords, owners, institutional investors, make certain right now you're taking the steps to mitigate your lease uh, value issues that can cost down the road. For example, it's time to get rid of all these contraction options that became so commonplace in the last two years of a down cycle. It's time to get rid of all these uh, early termination options that tenants had. And certainly it's time to adjust the issue of capping what renewal rates can look like as a percentage of any prevailing market. All right. Great tip. I appreciate you guys being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Next week, we'll look at retail property performance and the retail investment market. So be sure and join us next week. Well, thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by professionals at Bull Realty. 
Cone Resnick, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Weissman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.